Awesome. We'll bless them. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you. All right. I said this last night, but those of you that don't know, I'm in a uh, a Bible fiasco. Uh, no, I, I'm i just enjoying reading some other versions, and the problem is then I have to have them all up here. But I want to thank Jimmy. Jimmy gave me my new Passion version, and uh not saying it's perfect, I'm just saying it's great. So... Uh, I'm enjoying it, and I'm, it's the first time it's coming off the pulpit today, so I'm excited to read you a little bit of the passion, because we're talking about passion for a second. So, let me just enjoy this presence. Are you still enjoying it? That's the key. Learning to take that right there and live in it. It really is. It's, it's a mark of maturity that doesn't think our worship stops when the music stops or our encounter stops the minute that we, we move into something new. And so I just want to encourage you that God is doing good things in here and in your lives. And so we're just going to jump in. I, I really, I, I, I have just loved where the Lord has been taking us over the last four to six weeks and you know, it really just, it started with another one of those times where we were all up here just, just before the Lord and he was just, he was literally walking around the room and people were coming up and it's so fun when, you know, I don't know if you know, but the protocol is we have people check things prophetically and, and, uh, and so I get to hear what everybody's saying and, and it doesn't mean that everybody has to share for it to be right or right. It just means we're just seeing where the Lord is doing and where he's going and, and every now and then it'll be like people come. I'm seeing angels everywhere. You know, I'm seeing what God's doing. And I'm, I, or it's really cool when three people say, "I see an angel." And I'm like, "Where is it standing?" And they're like, "Right over there." And the next person goes, "I see an angel." Like, "Where is it standing?" And they're right over there. Like, okay, so everybody's hearing and seeing the, the, the right things, right? Everybody got quiet. Like, he mentioned angels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, no, they're in here. And. And if you don't want them to be, then you aren't enjoying the government of the kingdom. And so, uh, I, what was I saying with that? Well, God just began to speak to us. And, and he literally, in that room, he said, hey, I want you to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit. Not just having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Not just, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we believe all those things are important and necessary. But how you know out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you walk with the Holy Spirit. And and the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit was to teach them how to walk in the Spirit. And so, God just is beginning to, then we begin to talk about walking with Him. And crazy enough, we lost some of those podcasts and things. But but then the Lord began to speak to me. He's like, now there's things that I want to begin to rebuild in spiritual truths, kingdom truths, new definitions that are required to walk in the Spirit with them. You know, with me? It's quiet all of a sudden. And, and so the Lord just began to speak to me about the place of endurance and to endure. And he really said we have to break out of what endurance and perseverance has looked like in the church if we're going to receive everything he has for us. Because if we have a natural understanding of endurance and perseverance, it will only lead us to natural fruit. But if we have a spiritual understanding of what God is saying when He's talking about enduring and persevering, we will actually, it says in 2 Timothy 2.12, it says we'll reign in life. 
says those who endure will also reign. And so, so we, there has to be a shift there because most of us have not really equaled enduring to reigning. Yes? We've endured, we have done an equal sign enduring to I hung in there and made it to the end. Or I'm still hanging in there. And I showed you the picture of the cat last week hanging by one claw saying, this is perseverance, I'm hanging in there. No, perseverance is actually the Spirit teaching us how to not only make it through things, but gain everything we're supposed to have in it and walk out whole and on top of our circumstances. Right? So I just gave you three weeks of preaching in five minutes, okay? And so what, what I feel like the Lord is wanting me to do today is just the last piece on perseverance. I actually heard him say this will be the last piece you do on this. Um, and what's that mean? I don't know where we're going next. So it's going to be fun. But turn with me to Hebrews 12. We're going to go to Hebrews 12.1 while you're turning there. Oh, we don't have the passion on the screen. So welcome to the 80s. You get to listen to me read. Uh, and we're going to do it in the NIV too, so just hang in there. It says, as for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to, to begin to show us what it looks like for perseverance to actually establish us in our race. How many know people that were in the race that are no longer in the race? How many have been in the church longer than a couple of years? How many have seen people like, where are they? What's going on? And, and it's because the work of perseverance hasn't worked in their life. And, and so I want to I just talk to you about it. In order to run our race, we must embrace spiritual endurance. We must embrace it and walk in it and, and recognize that this is so necessary for me fulfilling the destiny and purpose of my life. Because I haven't found anyone that's walking in the fullness of their destiny that didn't have the moment where they could have quit. That moment where you're like, it would be easier to just do what Job's wife said, right? Curse God and die. But, but what, what is happening? God is actually working in us. He's actually trying to work something beautiful on the inside of us. And we have to recognize that endurance is part of the plan. How many of you love a plan? I love a good plan. I think part of it is the coaching part in me where you have a whiteboard and you show them and you're like, this is going to work. Right? You draw it all up and say, hey, this plan is going to work. And I feel like God up there has a big whiteboard sometimes like, hey, Jimmy, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. You got it? And, And then where most of us are like junior high boys basketball players, we say, yeah, we got it. And then they go out and do the exact opposite. And God has to call a timeout and say, okay, let's go back to the whiteboard here. I'm going to show you the plan again. Here's the plan. You know, you draw harder and faster to show them that you mean it. And you go back out there, right? And I feel like God is actually offering us an understanding in His plan, His ways, 
His thoughts. How He does things. And He's saying, here it is. And it's not going to work if you just say, I don't like that play. I don't like perseverance. I don't like endurance. I don't want to do it. Listen, I believe this. The reason we don't love endurance and perseverance is because we have attracted it to a natural understanding and then it's exhausted us. So we're like, I'm exhausted of thinking about endurance. And God is saying, I have an endurance for you that is so supernatural that you will actually glean everything you need from it. So we have to recognize, first of all, from this verse that he's saying, listen, perseverance will keep you in the race. I wrote this down. It says, the enemy wants to derail our pursuit of the kingdom and the king at all costs. The enemy wants to derail your pursuit of the king and his kingdom at all costs in your life. How many of you have discovered that? How many of you have sometimes been in agreement with that? Sure we have. But we have to recognize that what's the, off- what's the enemy offering us? The first one is real simple. He's offering us to quit. Just curse God and die. Just quit. The other one is to move really slow in the journey. What am I saying? Now, this could come across funny, but it's very serious. There is a pace that God has set for us to run in. That, that the enemy is like, if I can just get them to, to not give up God, but just not believe, it will slow them to a pace that they actually will not be expressing the amount of glory that they were born to give. And so, so there's some people that are still in the race, but they're at a crawl. And, and God is just wanting us to shift lanes and say, I have a fast lane that I want you to move into. And, and he's saying, I don't want you to exit off of this journey. And then the, the third one is that we have people that are running other people's races. We, we see other people's lives. We see other people's callings. Like, well, I, I want to do that. And maybe that's exactly your call. You know, there's been incredible stories of people seeing people model the work of God and they're saying, I'm going to do that. And that's beautiful. But there's some people that, that God has to take them on a journey of discovery and say, this is what you're, you're born for. This is the group you're made to love on. This is, this is the giftings and callings in you. And, and, and you have to recognize this is my race. And what I have found that a lot of times when people are tired or exhausted or not in the spiritual endurance that God has for them, they'll just shift races. Like, say you have an incredible call of God on your life to, to be in vocational ministry. And let me tell you, that is not the top level. Ministry is the top level. And all of you are called to ministry. Can I just say that again? We're tearing down bad thinking that vocational ministry is the top of the mountain. But there are people that are called to vocational ministry. And when they're in, I've seen people that, man, I, I could give you a list right now. Aaron, you're in here. Like We could give the list, right, of people that we know were called to vocational, give their lives to ministry every minute of it. And instead, they looked over and they saw that, well, man, this is hard and that race looks easier, so I'm going to go over here. And here's the problem. Even if they're successful and they have wins in their lives and they're still pursuing the Lord, there's a piece of them that is not fulfilled because they are not in the right lane. They're not in the right race. Maybe you're called to own your own business. 
And, and you've got, and you've got dreams. You are an entrepreneur. Everything you think of is like, man, I've got all these ideas. And you're like, man, it could bless the kingdom. It could send missionaries all over the world. And, but, but your lane right now is like, hey, I'm, I'm just working for somebody else. Now there are seasons of that. Can I just say that? Knowing your time, right? But there's some people that just say, I guess that's not the plan of God for me. And they totally leave that race alone. What am I saying? Perseverance will keep you in the race so you begin to understand where God's taking me. I know so many people that have quit or slowed down just because they didn't understand that the finish line was just right there. Oh, and by the way, there's always another race. And so we begin to understand that. So what I want to explain to you is that perseverance is really not optional. And we've made it like a trait where like, I'm just, I'm trying to persevere when God is saying, no, I've created you to endure and persevere. I've created you to model it. I've created you to walk in it in such a way it produces everything in you. So what do we do? I actually believe this and we're going to do these pretty quick. But I believe the Lord just began to speak to you and say, I'm trying to establish things in my kids while they have this spiritual perseverance and endurance happening in them. I'm building something in them. And so, turn with me one page, if you have your Bible, to James 1. Maybe you're two pages if you have a lot of study notes in there. James 1, I'm going to read 2 and 3. Well, I'll read 2, 3, and 4, but 3 is what we're going to focus on here for a second. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy, amen the word there. Here we go. I'm going to read it to you in the message. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I think that is a beautiful description of what perseverance is. Don't try to get out of the. Don't try to skip the step, the process. Don't try to skip what God's doing in you. Like, I don't like this anymore. I quit the race. Guess what? The next race is going to have the same process in it. So let's do its work so it becomes mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I feel like the Lord is just so, so trying to build something in us. And the word I want to I want to focus in on is in verse 3. It says, this is because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to show us that as we embrace this place of spiritual endurance in our life. What am I saying by that? The Holy Spirit is totally walking with us in the journey. We're not just trying it on our own. I'm sludging through. I'm just going to endure to the end. No, I'm talking about a place where you're reigning while you're doing it. You're walking in it and you're understanding there are things being developed in you. The, the Greek word right there for for developed, actually, is, can be translated two ways. The first one, all of you who are gym rats will love this. It means to work out. How many in here like to work out? How many pretend you like to work out? <laughs> the other half like, oh, I pretend to like working out. But what's, the, what's the, the goal of working out is results. I don't know if you saw Aaron when he was standing up here. 
But there's this little bitty man here and this giant man up here. Why? When we knew Aaron, he was tiny. But he decided, I'm going to work out. And, and as he began to work out, results began to happen, right? Results of, of God developing and working in us as you begin to get stronger. It's so simple. But the other way that what God is developing actually is a really interesting word. It actually means that He is creating something that you're fashioned for. Meaning He has made a coat that only fits Beth Darnell. And He's saying in order to fit into that coat, you have to endure, you have to walk in it, and I'm going to develop into you, I'm going to fashion it so it fits you perfectly. Now, how many of you received hand-me-downs when you were a kid? Lolly, you didn't. I was going to say, you got like ten brothers and sisters, right? And, and you would get this bag of clothes. And, and the lottery was that something would fit you, right? And, and even if there was something you liked, you would like, oh God, please let that be my size, right? And if it wasn't, you would pretend it would fit anyway, right? You would get it like, ah, it's not bad. If it's too small, everybody in the room knows. Like, oh no, it fits fine. It fits fine. Everybody in the room is like, you see that guy's shirt? <laughs> then, then there's the other words, too big, right? Have you ever tried to do anything in clothes that are too big? They hinder you. Like I shared last night, if you, I, I need to get my brother here so you can all see him. We have different body types. And we've had those from birth. Like, I was small and thin, and let's just say he always bought the husky. <laughs> he was muscular and strong. He, they were like, you need to play another sport, you need to play football. And, and when Terry was little, he was still giant. He jokes with me, he says, you've never pinned me yet. I told him, your day's coming, because you're going to get old, and I'm going to be a little younger, and I will pin you. We have a hotel room in Arkansas that's still telling us, hey, we, he tried it and Terry's still the winner. <laughs> but what does that mean? So I would get Terry's clothes. I remember when Terry went to the army, he, he was really nice and he got all these extra fatigues. He sent them to me so I could go hunting, right? And I got them and he, and he sends a box and I get them out. I'm so excited and I put them on and they're giants. Well, there's nothing worse than hunting in clothes that don't fit. First of all, they don't keep you warm. <laughs> the second thing is though is next thing you know you've got mud all over you and you don't even know where it's coming from your sleeves are just slapping all around what am I saying it wasn't fashioned for me but about 10 years ago I decided if I'm going to keep hunting I'm going to buy clothes that fit me and it was like a $500 investment I'm going to buy everything that fits me so that I'm no longer cold and I'm no longer feeling ill-prepared for what I'm doing. And I, I, I'm spending a lot of time on this example because I want you to understand that God is fashioning things that perfectly fit you. And if you give up in perseverance, you may end up on another track that the clothes don't fit you as well. And you're saying, I don't understand what's going on. And so God's saying, I need you to persevere because I have something perfectly fashioned for you and I'm creating it on the inside of you. So three things that God is developing in us real quick. The first one is faith. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. Ephesians, Philippians, 
Colossians, here we go, Thessalonians, First, Second Thessalonians. I love these books. These are, I believe, the most underpreached books in the New Testament. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 4 says, Therefore, among God's churches, what's, who are these churches? All the other churches we're telling you about that are in the journeys of Paul. He says, we boast about your perseverance and your faith. We boast about your perseverance and your faith. In all the persecutions and trials. Listen, the, the, what we have to understand is when this has been written, Rome is in its prime. It's feeding Christians to lions. It's burning them at the stake. It's sending large groups of them out to face gladiators with no weapons. I know that was fair. What was going on? They are they're in all kinds of trials. Other than that, there's famine. Oh, and then there's, there's all the idolatry and everything else going on. What am I trying to say? Listen, we, sometimes we get this weird thing in our generation, like our generation is the worst. We've had it the worst. And there's even some teaching like we're in the darkest of times. Listen, read the New Testament. It's pretty dark. What is God saying? Listen, your trials I have a grace for. It's not like you're walking in the darkest thing. And, and what was going on with them is they were persevering and their faith was increasing. And what was Paul doing? He was boasting to all the other churches about what God was doing in them. And God is wanting to develop a faith in us. A faith that works with perseverance. I truly believe that perseverance and faith are entangled. The increase of faith it relies on your ability to grasp and walk in spiritual endurance. Because why? Because faith, I wrote this down. Faith is the partnership with the Father that He's wanting to confirm over and over. He's wanting to confirm it in you. He's wanting to build it in you over and over. Your faith is being in increased. Why? Because you're understanding that, oh, He's meeting me. So as I persevere, He comes and meets me. Now sometimes he comes quickly. Sometimes he lets the fire come and produce pure gold in you. But I want you to understand that faith, an increase of faith is one of the things that is developing in you as God's children and in spiritual endurance. Don't endure, you won't increase in faith. It's a, it's a, it's a basic statement. I believe it's super powerful though of what God's done. Number two, hopefully you all do better on this one. I'll do my best to do a little better too. Turn with me back to James. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now I will tell you, this used to be one of my least favorite verses in all the Bible. Why? Because I misunderstood endurance. I misunderstood perseverance. I misunderstood trials. So I could never have any joy in them. All I could think is get me out of this. How many ever felt that way? I don't like how I feel right now, so get me out of how I feel. When God is saying, no, I want to actually give you something that's greater. I want to give you joy in the journey. I want to give you joy as you're persevering. I want to give you joy when all the trials are coming at you. And you, and why are you having joy? Because I'm going to give you a different perspective. I'm going to give you a perspective that as the trials and all the plan of the enemy, listen, I say this all the time, the enemy hates you. He's not going to be like, man, I'm just going to give him a pass today. 
He never feels that way. Why? Because He hates you. And you begin to recognize like, oh man, these trials are because the enemy is against me. And you begin to have a perspective that, oh, even better than that, because the enemy is against me and I'm persevering, something is being produced on the inside of me. I'm coming out stronger. I'm coming out bigger. I'm coming out with more revelation of God. I'm coming out with more faith. And all of a sudden you begin to have joy in it because you recognize what's happening in you. Thank you, Alex. And and begin to recognize that, hey, joy is not optional in this. It's a third of the kingdom. God's saying, listen, I want to show you a well you get to drink from right in the middle of all your trials. You get to drink from it and draw from it. You get to live in it. You get to let it encourage you. I always think of it like David and that and that well that he just wanted to drink of. And God says, I broke through the garrison. Here's some water and it's joy. I want to give it to you. But if we have wrong understanding of trials, we have wrong understanding of perseverance, then we just stand this place like, oh, I'm just so depressed. I'm so down. Why? Because your circumstances are ruling you. And God's saying, listen, I'm giving you an internal perspective of what's going on. And listen, it doesn't mean you're weak. Jesus needed it. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. I said this last night, I'm going to say it again. Listen, as bad as the physical beating and everything of Jesus was, it was not the worst physical death on earth. Ever. I'm sure we could look and find worse ones. She could go on YouTube right now and find them. Don't. They'll be gross. But no one had a worse death than Jesus because He took on all the sin of man. It literally marred Him. I believe physically that it says in Isaiah that it marred Him beyond recognition of a person. Why? Because when all sin came on Him, it just was gross. Listen, all adultery murder, abortion, everything horrible you can think of, incest, all, all unforgiveness, everything went on Him. Genocide, the concentration camps, everything went on Him. And He was, and he was sweating blood and He was like, God, if you can take this from me. Is there, he wasn't negotiating, He was asking. He's like, God, any other way? And He's like, no. And he's like, good, okay then there's grace. And what was he thinking of? He was thinking of Billy V. When he was on that cross. He was thinking of every one of you. When he's hanging on that cross, he said, for the joy set before him, he's thinking, I'm restoring them all back to you, Father. So it was a joy in him to do it. That's why they were so confused by him. Don't you want to defend yourself? No, I've got a joy in me. Listen. A lot of us could learn from not defending ourselves and just getting into joy. Jimmy liked that one. <laughs> but what do we understand that? Well, I just want to, I want to tell you just an amazing story I've been reading about joy. I've been reading these short stories that someone wrote a book um, about the Jewish concentration camps. And if you think I'm weird for that, I just, I'm intrigued by, I just, I read this thing and said we were seeing Truths and, and behaviors in them that no one else had seen. There's stories of whole groups of them being led to the gas chamber singing the Psalms. Singing the Psalms. Because why? They're going to be with their God. 
They know what's in that building. And it says this, it says this, it says that the, the officers were falling to their knees as they were walking in, some of them. Why? I think it's the glory of God. The joy that was coming out of them. The ultimate trial. They're walking in and all of a sudden they're just, there's in joy. Listen, they would, they, 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 they would take in everything from them and they couldn't take their joy. Why couldn't they take their joy? Because it was an inside job. And the Nazis are trying to get to this place of world domination so they can finally feel joy. And they're like, we've taken everything from them and they have what we want. They have what we want and we can't take it from them. They're, they're brutalizing them. They're treating them and they're, they're finding joy in it. Why? Because they knew who their God was. The Lord God of Israel, right? Yeshua the Messiah. They were having encounters and they were knowing. And, and it's just incredible. And not all of them are uplifting. Some of them are like, oh, it's terrible. But what am I saying? Finding joy in it. Walking in joy in it. Joy, it, it, it's something that God is wanting to develop in us. Third one, growth and maturity. How many want to be mature in this walk we're called to? How many want to... I mean, I, I want to be able to do, say what they said about David, about me. When they put me in the ground, they said when he had accomplished the purpose of God in his life, he went to be with his fathers. I want them to say that about me. When they stand up and they say he did everything God called him to do. He said everything. He, and yeah, did he mess up? You bet he did. And he recognized that Jesus was bigger than that. And so what I believe is God is wanting us to go, grow in such a way He's developing maturity in us. And, uh, and you know, maturity doesn't just happen. And so, so we begin to see that. Listen, this is what 4 says again. I just want to remind you, James 1.4. Perseverance must finish its work. There's a finishing of the work of perseverance, of spiritual enduring. There's a finishing that produces something in you. And... I, we were ministering to the group of the high schoolers next door, and, and I shared with them, I was like, listen, I'm looking for a group of young people who are not just wanting to walk with God while they're here, but in 30 years, they stand up and say, I love the Lord more now than I did when I met Jesus. Why? I was challenging them, let the finished work happen in you. Let it finish its work. Don't just, don't just be in the atmosphere of God and I love encounters and then get out there and say, well, I'm gonna, not going to do that anymore. Listen, maturity is allowing the work to finish in you. My parents, well, I would, we, had, we had some rules growing up. I won't say how many. There was a lot. It was good. Rules are good. They're boundaries. And one of the rules is if you started something, you finished it. How many of your parents had that rule? The rest of you, they should have. Because it taught me something. Why? Because I, I would join something and be like, I don't like it. You know why I generally didn't like something? Because I wasn't good at it. I mean, everybody likes what you're good at, right? So like, some things you join, you're like, oh, I'm a natural at this. I love this. Other things you join, you're like, I'm not good at this. And you want out, right? And so, I mean, the one rule was, if you join... However long you said you would stay, you stayed. And I believe that there's a spiritual mark of that in the Father where you're saying, hey, I've called you to this. You're destined for this. You don't get to choose another race halfway through. 
A mark of maturity says, man, I'm going for it, and I know I'm going to get there, and I know God's going to produce it in me. So how does he develop maturity? Well, I want to do these two really quick, because two verses I just, I, I'm in love with right now. And the first one is Romans 5.4. It's very simple. This one's not going to take a whole lot of, of deep thinking. It's right there. It says in, in Romans 5.3, it says this, not only so, but also rejoicing in our suffering because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character, hope. And then hope, faith. And faith, pleasure. With, we're in the pleasure of God. All things are possible in faith, right? So what I'm showing you is that it, perseverance is part of the journey to get you to maturity. And he's saying, hey, out of perseverance, I'm going to develop character. Now, what I'm going to just spend two minutes on this. Listen, I think a lot of the teaching on character has been very natural based. Now, I believe we need to teach our people and everyone to be of character, integrity, all those things. But there is a spiritual character that God is wanting to build in us that is far superior to you just keeping all the rules and obeying. There's a spiritual character. And, and what the Greek word really means right here is not like integrity or anything like that. It actually means experience. That out of perseverance, it will develop experience on the inside of you. Now, most of you know, I, I grew up, I, I did construction. And before we did this gig, and, and I worked for Bill Jones. Bill, you in here? Bill left church early. Everybody give him a hard time. No. <laughs> but one of the things that Bill did is we had the Lowe's contract here in town. And this is the worst story ever, okay? I'll just tell you. And, and the rule was that everyone had to have 10 to 15 years experience to be a Lowe's installer. Well, I was 18, so it was a bad start, and I looked about 12. So when I would show up at people's houses, they would pull the contract out and be like, this says you have 10 years of experience. And I developed a little speech to it. I said, I do not have 10 years experience, but I'm very good at what I do. But it did not replace experience. Why? Because sometimes then I'm in the cab of the truck reading the manual on how to install what was just sold to them. There were really awesome wins in that, and there were some really horrible losses in, in that, mainly with vinyl. Vinyl floors from the devil. And rolls of vinyl. I just, it, I, it looks so easy. It looks so easy until you miss, or you have to seam it together. And, and what am I saying? Listen, those people were expecting something of experience. Now, when I have people come to my house, the only question I ask them is how long they've been doing it. Why? Because I expect a level of quality and excellence that can only come out of experience. And when you're doing it, then you begin to recognize, oh, there's tricks to it. Something that was very hard at one time becomes easy to you. How many of you have things that like that? That, man, that used to be a challenge, and now I know how to deal with that. Maybe it's like interpersonal relationship. Like, I used to be terrible at conflict resolution. All of us are good at conflict. <laughs> but I, most of us need to work on conflict resolution. And, but once you have experienced and recognized, you really begin to experience, first of all, most of conflict resolution, I need to humble myself and say I was wrong. Even if they were wrong. 
Why? Because I'm trying to resolve the conflict. And then you allow the Holy Spirit to work in that. So you, you begin to say you're growing in something like that, and then you have another, another opportunity to have conflict resolution. And it doesn't scare you anymore because you have experience in it. I'm trying to use a real practical one that all of us need. Right? But, but what happens as you begin to grow in that, you begin to realize this isn't hard to humble myself because it actually invites God right into the situation. Why? You get better at it. You begin to get mature in it. And then people actually say, wow, you're really good in relationship. Why are they saying that? What they're saying is you have experience that's overcome things in your life and I see it manifesting. God is wanting to give you experience and as you, as you, as you commit to spiritually endure, it's actually giving you experience or another phrase, history with God. You're getting history with God. A really simple illustration with history of God is finance. How many of you have breakthrough in finance? Have had breakthrough where you gave even when you, I mean, that's way more than we can give and God showed up. Why? You have developed a history with God. You've developed it so the next time He says, hey, I need you to add a zero to that check. You're like, what? How about a one on the front side? No, a zero on the end. He said, I want to add something big here. And as you have history, you're like, you've done it before, you'll do it again. What's he saying? He's, it's an experience. It's a maturity that you're not like afraid. You're not like, oh God, it's, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go under. Like you lay it in there and say, with faith I give this. Why? Because you've got a history developed with God. Okay, last thing about this place of maturity. I actually believe too that God wants to add things to us. And so Second, second Peter, real quick, turn there. Second Peter 1. I'm going to have to skip... Oh, what I read last night. I love that so much. Second Peter 1.5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort. So whose effort is it? It's ours. It doesn't say God's going to do it all for you. It says make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. And perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, love. Why is perseverance right in the middle there? Because in order to get to the end line, you've got to throw perseverance in. It's got to begin to come into you and say, like, some people are like, I'm just going to love everybody. I just want to love everybody. And they give up, they, they give up loving everybody. Why? Because they didn't recognize that perseverance had to be added to their journey. And what is really interesting to me is out of perseverance, the next one that can be added to you is godliness. It's really interesting that, you know, we, we want to we get people cleaned up and say, now you're going to be godly. You're going to keep these, these mandates. We've quit rules and laws, so we've named them mandates. Or these boundaries. And what we're really saying is we're going to put some things on you to make you godly. Now, I believe there's a place a pers- of... of of recognizing, hey, God is teaching me new things. And I'm going to embrace these. But there is a spiritual belief too that begins to come to you where He begins to actually say, as you endure, I will begin to work my character in you and you will become like me, godly. What am I saying? Godliness is impossible without perseverance. It's in the list. You can argue with me, but it's in there. And God's wanting to make you like Him. We want to, he wants to conform us to His character. How many of you have heard that statement? 
And then we're like, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? I used to hear that and be like, that sounds impossible. I didn't realize that if I just keep enduring and persevering with Him, it'll make me mature and godly. How many of you been walking with the Lord more than 40 years? Raise your hand. Keep them up. No alligator arms here. 40 years. 40 years. God calls you godly. The The goodness of His character has been worked into you. Are you perfect? No. Hopefully you've said yes more than no in those 40 years. Alright, last verse and we're going to be done. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres or endures or understands spiritual endurance under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What am I saying? We've been taught that just, just persevere, it's, it's a good character trait. No, there's a reward on the end. There's a reward on the end. The crown of life. Now, there's lots of ways you can interpret that. Like when you get to heaven, you're going to get a crown of life. But I also believe there's a crown of life on earth. There's a glory that God is going to put on you. And He says, now I call you noble. I call you one who has persevered and blessed. Here, I'm going to fit it perfectly to you. Why? Because a lot of us, got to, we got to get out of the idea that we don't belong in the courtroom. In the courts of the Lord. We're royalty. And saying, I have a crown of life I want to put on you. And it's for those who persevere. And when people see it, they're going to say, I see a crown on your head. What's that about? And say, oh man. I have loved God. And He has met me every time. And this crown... I just throw it at his feet. But he keeps picking it up and putting it on my head again. Why? Because I've persevered. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. It's 1230. On the nose. I should get a medal. I was a sharpshooter this morning. What's God wanting to give us? I believe in here. He's wanting to just breathe some life into us. Some of you might be like, I'm just, I think I'm in the wrong race. It's okay. Just say, God, shift my lane. How do you know that commercial? Oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. <laughs> Where the guy is getting a tattoo, and he asks the tattoo artist if, that, if that's right. And he says, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> and I believe that the Lord is just wanting to show us our lane. And then, funny enough, I hope you think the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. You might just hear sometime when you're doing something wrong, you're like, hey, stay in your lane, bro. What's he saying? You don't have to be like anyone else. Just run your race. Run your race. I feel like there's a real release of pressure in that that the Lord is wanting to do. That's why he's trying to do that with some humor. I also believe that he's wanting to just, and that's that joy piece. But I also believe that that there's a place where he's just saying, I'm wanting to increase faith in you this morning. I'm wanting to increase that piece of faith on the inside of you. So how many of you in here would just say, I'd love to see my faith increase. I would hope all of us. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to commit to walk in spiritual endurance. We just commit right now. Here's our commitment with our hand up. To walk in spiritual endurance. So we love you, Lord. We bless you. We just say the greatest thing in all of our lives is being loved and loving you. You're the greatest thing in all of our lives, God. 
You're the greatest thing. And so we just, we thank you right now, Lord, that we're going to commit. And when they put us in the ground, they're going to say, they completed every purpose in their life. And now they can go be with their fathers. So we just bless this group right now. I bless you with strength. I bless you with courage to endure. I bless you with courage to make right choices. I bless you with courage to see from a new viewpoint. We bless you today. We, we just speak blessing over our city today. Can we just bless our city? We bless San Marcos. We bless our region. We bless Kyle, Buda, Wimberley, Seguin, New Braunfels. We bless our region. We bless the corridor right now. We just declare that this is the Lord's. If the earth is the Lord's, then we say the corridor is the Lord's. So we bless you now. And we say we will be a blessing. One minute. I just want to say this. Go be a blessing this week to our region. Go be a blessing. Don't just be blessed. Be a blessing. I was blessed because that person walked into my shop. I was blessed because that person spoke to me. I was blessed because that person loved me extravagantly. I was blessed. Go be a blessing this week. Shake off any lies that tell you you don't have anything to give. From the front to the back, there's not one person in here that doesn't have the royalty of God to give away. So I just bless you now to go be great. I bless you to go love our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I just want to say this. We're not going to be at the back door today. We're taking Damaris to the airport, so we're going to run out of here. So uh, if you'll excuse us, we're going to drop out more quick than we usually do. So bless you guys.